Hello, everybody. Happy Holy Week. If you listen before Sunday, hopefully you will. Uh, Easter week here. Uh, Mr. T, you're one of your two hosts. Misposed. For any new listeners you have out there, probably not many. Uh, but we're definitely in mourning here. Certainly seriously in mourning for uh, Holy Week. You know, it's a time of sorrow and penitence, as it should be. Uh, we rejoice at Christ's resurrection. But secularly, we're mourning at... The end of the basketball season. It just seems like yesterday we were previewing the college season, making fun of Adam for getting married on Labor Day weekend. It's all gone now. Five months of baseball, tennis, golf. Stanley Cup playoffs are exciting. It's hard to, you don't, you know, I don't want really to watch any games. NBA playoffs, eh. Stuff, it goes so fast. It goes so fast. Miss Post, um, I know you're feeling the pain like I am. Not the same. Not the same. This is this is the season of celebration for me. Allegedly, <laughs> uh, forced to go outside, forced to go on hikes. I'm sure Doctor Shaw make a joke about hiking in the winter. Not like I did that one playoff Sunday, but that's good. Uh, it's tough, you know. It's dog days of summer, man. It's a dark time. But great Final Four. Uh, San Diego State won the buzzer beater. My FAU pick was almost correct. They're up 14 in the second half. Offensive rebounds, man. Again, I said this to my boy, Big Red, and Miss Post at the time of the game. We were watching in the studio. And I said, uh, for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. FAU is a big small ball team. And obviously, that's what worked for them. They went small. They attacked the basket. No bigs. Well, what are you vulnerable, vulnerable to? Offensive rebounds. That's what cost them the game. San Diego State made a shot. But obviously, the comeback was wrought by the glass. And that's tough. My prediction was correct. UConn did roll uh, fifth title, 25 years, 24 tournaments. Um, just a very weird program. A very weird program. Five titles, six Final Fours. I think they've only made one other Sweet 16 besides that. As I said, they've missed seven tournaments in that time. Well, I guess nine. Excuse me, eight. One was because they're on probation. They would have missed, it would have been nine if COVID year happened because they wouldn't have made it that year unless they won the tournament, conference tournament. So anyway. Weird program, though, but five titles is five titles. They tied uh, Miss Post's beloved IU Hoosiers now on the all-time list. Miss um, Post, how do you feel about that, actually? Uh, a little threatened. Five in 23 years, and uh, IU has done in 32, <laughs> or 36, yeah. excuse me, actually. It's all right. Everyone send thoughts and prayers to Miss Post. Her boy TJD also announced he's going pro today, mm-hmm. which isn't really a shock. But Miss Post, disappointing. I mean, you know, we'll see what IU looks like next year. Most teams are, are kind of remade each year now with the transfer portal. Um, but beat Purdue twice at least. That's good. Yes. Are you sad, though, that your wins over Purdue are now muted because FDU beat them? <laughs> Wait, so say that one more time. Are you sad that the wins over Purdue are now muted because oh. FDU beat them? Mm, no. No, you just got to rejoice were, in that. They were number one at the time, so. True, and you just got to rejoice that a scrub team, the, the smallest, uh, some analytics height said they were the smallest team, like 297th largest mm-hmm. team based on height, beat the biggest. Yeah. Literally David versus Goliath. I love it. And favorite stat about that is they didn't even win their conference tournament. They got in because the team was ineligible. That's amazing. It is. Got to love one of those stories. It is. Good it little is. run for them, too. And this makes Purdue look bad, which I really don't. I mean, I don't dislike Purdue. This is really funny, though. We always like that. Exactly. We love to see it. No, it is a great one for FDU, though. They almost beat FAU, who was a Final Four team. So, great season, though. I really feel like I watched, watched a lot of ball this year. Tried to watch more non-conference games, and I think I did. Uh, the season goes so fast, man. Goes so fast. It's tough. 
Well, football is a few months away. Schedule will come out soon. College, I was kind of thinking today, Big 12 is getting four new teams, Houston, BYU, UCF, and uh, Cincinnati. So that'll be, they'll have one year of 14 teams before OU and Texas go to the SEC. So that'd be cool. Uh, anyway, send us. So I need to ask this to the, the married men that listen and the softer men like Brian and Dr. Scholl that do whatever their wife says. Uh, tell, give me some tips for dealing with the, uh, you know, being forced to go outside and do things now. I'm not used to that through the previous seasons. I do like going different things with Miss Post, but I don't have any more. I don't have any any excuses anymore. I can't say there's a game I want to watch. I can't say it's a ball night. I just got to go out into the world, leave my hibernation. So send me your tips on that. Any thoughts on that, Miss Post? No. Dr. Shaw, shout out to him. We were kind of hard on him last week. He did. See, he said he enjoys the podcast. He said he likes when it's half sports, half politics. So he's good. He's good with it in our book. He's always a loyal listener to him and Phil. Num- numbers one and two. We appreciate that. Uh, but we do miss you, Dr. Shaw. I miss watching the game with you like I did last year. Uh, talking, talking ball, talking politics. Draft is a few weeks. We'll see how it goes. But, Miss Post, we got to get into it here. Uh, you know, they came after us again. By us, I mean, of course, the man, DJT, Donald J. Trump, indicted. First time in history a former president's been indicted. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's, it's just ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. We'll get into that a little bit here. Uh, banana Republic status, as my boy Clay Travis says, certainly true. Um, you know, it is, it is interesting. We talked about this before the last few weeks, kind of leading up to this, but everyone says, like, they, they make sure Trump will never win again, which it, it's true, but again, it's, it's basically like they, they're they're playing with fire because they now I think I think that's how it started in terms of they boosted Trump in 2016 because of the great coverage and things and no one really thought he was going to be a serious candidate and then they realized oh okay this guy just is rating gold so they kept boosting him and I think at first they were like oh you know he's such a threat like you know we have to get rid of him and they did believe that but they're like hey like if this guy's a nominee like this is an easy win we're gonna win we're gonna win nationwide we're gonna win house and senate we'll get 60 senators whatever whatever and of course, obviously, it didn't work out for him. So then, when he was president, of course, they made their living off being the opposition party, which that's kind of politics is, especially Democrats took it to a new level. And of course, they did everything they could to get them out of there, including conspiring to change the voting rules and, and have big tech censor stories and things like that. Okay, that is what it is. But now, of course, Trump's back, and everyone thought he'd go off in the night, but now that he's back, again, who's benefiting from that? Media organizations, they're getting more ratings, more clicks. Democrats, Trump, Trump is Trump is their platform. Trump is their platform. Mm-hmm. So while they while they call him a threat to the republic and, a, and an existential threat and all this, of course they they need him around and they want him around. They want him as the nominee. This this indictment is purely political, and it's so it's so weird because they like their hatred for Trump is so real, and their vitriol is so real. But at the same time, like. It, it, they love him, as the great Drake line says. Jealousy is just love and hate at the same time. But no, it, it, that takes, I think that's proof, that proves it is. Excuse me, it is actually what they say: Trump derangement syndrome (TDS). Trump derangement syndrome. They're obsessed with the man. Let's not forget that most like moves start happening in like the year before an election, and as we're approaching that one year mark before another election. Things are going to happen. Things are going to change. And people are going to start making their moves 
to, you know, influence different things. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, it, it is odd because certainly Democrats want Trump to be the nominee because he's their only platform. Mm-hmm. They they think they can beat him. They're probably right based on how he acted in 2020 and, and since then. And obviously for ratings wise, for, for the media mm-hmm. and Democratic fundraising, everything, Trump, Trump boosts Democrats in so many ways. But again, so it's like I, I do think their hatred is real, but they like they love it. They like want him around. Again, it's it's an obsession, which is it's we've known this, but it's also just very fascinating psychologically because I think it just kind of proves Democrats um Democrats kind of like uh mental issues, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Again, no no you know, no no party has a monopoly on stupid. But it just kind of shows Democrats hubris and also they're just kind of like psychotic nature. They're always on defense. They're always opposing somebody. They're never quite forming their own opinions, it seems. They'll just go against whatever they see the Republicans doing, it seems. Well, and that's really politics today, which is unfortunate. Um, right. But no, you're right. And I, I think if you look at it, it's it's kind of lost a train of thought, but, but you're right, Miss Post. And, and oh, yeah, it's it's such like if you step back and kind of made this into a Shakespearean play, like you couldn't script it any better. Like, Democrats become what they proclaim to hate, mm-hmm. which is a threat to democracy. Now, as the great Brian pointed out, IT creator Brian, and this is more about free speech, but it applies here too. Democrats never really thought, never really cared about threat to democracy. They just wanted to be themselves and not someone else. Just like anything, right? Again, but that's the issue I have, right? Do Republicans do that? Yes, of course. But so do Democrats. And Democrats are more malicious, in my opinion, because it, it's, it's covered by every single cultural institution in the U.S., Corporate America, right. mainstream media, Hollywood, academia, sports, whatever Democrats do is okay in their Everything mind. Everything has their back. Right. So they can, they can do all these things and, it's, and, and what happens? Well, it's just like it, it's, it's misinformation or it's mm-hmm. two Pinocchios or it's just not it, – it's misleading. Mm-hmm. Whereas Republicans, it's like you might attend a, a, a January 6th like, protest outside the Capitol and you're like, oh, you're a, you're a QAnon conspiracy theorist. You're an election denier. So anyway, we, we, we talked about that before, but let's get into this indictment here. I mean, again, so here's, of course, the new talking point that's gone around the nation mainstream media because they're always in lockstep, as we know. No one is above the law, which that is true. Yes, that justice should be blind. Uh, you know, certainly if, if anybody breaks the law, he or she, he or she only should be prosecuted. Uh, but. This is something called prosecutorial discretion. Ms. Pose, do you know what that is? Let's explain it for the listeners. Yes. So I'm sure everybody knows. We have smart listeners here. But basically, it's like it's a prosecutor's decision whether or not to ch- pursue a case or not. Mm-hmm. Like they might say, oh, not enough, or the, you know, the optics of this are bad, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And yeah, sh- should anything really be based on optics? Ideally, no, but that does play a part, right? Like, let's do t- who we're talking about here. Like, yes. Trump is a, is a citizen now. I mean, he, he should be held accountable. But, again, discretion-wise, he is a former president of the United States. He's, a, he's the current frontrunner for one of the two major political parties' nomination. Okay. This is from 2016. And as we said last week, two previous departments declined to charge it. The previous district attorney and the feds declined to pros- prosecute this case. This DA Bragg ran on he, – he bragged in his campaign about how many times he sued Trump and the Trump organization. Okay. 
Then he declined to do something. To, he declined to charge a previous Trump case, like with Trump's business or something like that. And two staffers quit. One wrote a book, of course. Again, someone else getting rich off Trump naturally. And so now Bragg brings this case, and I, I, I'm not going to go to the tweet right now because I saw it earlier. But basically, he said something to the effect of like, "We we have to make sure this conduct doesn't continue. That's why we elevated it from misdemeanor to a felony." Even though I believe last year, I'm not sure exactly when it was, I know the number is 52, but 52% of cases were downgraded from felonies to misdemeanors. 52%, more than half. And just so you, everybody knows, New York City crime is rampant. It's much higher than it was in 2019. Now, I don't know if it's higher than last year or, 20, or 2021 or 2020, because those years it skyrocketed during COVID and, and 2021 as well, after the riots, of course. So it might be lower than those years, but it's still higher than it was in 2019. So anyway... Yes, you can take care of criminals on the street and Trump at the same time, but it's, again, can make sure this conduct doesn't continue. Really? 52% of your cases were downgraded felonies to misdemeanors. And you're going to make this go from misdemeanor to a felony? Now, I, I'm, not, I'm not a lawyer. I went to law school for one semester, so I do enjoy playing an armchair lawyer at times. But even Trump critics are commenting on the dubiousness of this legal theory, right? You basically have to prove that Trump falsified these records with the intent to, or excuse me, I, I, I can't even get it right. Basically, he tried to conceal these records with the intent to commit a crime. So it's like you have to prove something to prove something else. Mm-hmm. And, I, and from what I understand, basically, that's what makes it, that's how it goes from misdemeanor to a felony, because if it's a misdemeanor, the statute of limitations has expired. And not only that, but it's a campaign, a federal campaign finance law violation being charged in state court. State court. So, again, you know, no one, is a, no one is above the law. True. But what case is this standing on? And I also heard as well, uh, my boy Clay Travis, the proposed trial date, guess when it was? January 2024. Right in the middle of the mm-hmm. primary season before the Iowa caucuses. Uh-huh. You got to be kidding me. Yep. So again, I mean, it's just a flat out joke. And again, Democrats, let's just say that Trump is a nominee and Democrats win again. Okay, fine. Democrats... They can't seriously be stupid to think it's not going to come back and bite them in the ass at some point. They're not going to win elections forever. You know what? They probably are that stupid because in their own hubris, they think they're going to lose again. Just like when Obama won, they're like, oh, like this, this, is, this sets us up for 35 years of power. Uh, voters soundly reject the fascist ideology, whatever. It's just like 2020, actually, same thing. When, when Biden scraped by because of the global pandemic and Trump's idiocy uh, and, and voting rules being changed at the last minute, et cetera, et cetera, whatever you want to say. And they lost the House Senate. Again, Trump cost the Republican Senate. But either way, though, what Democrats say, oh, historic election mandate, transformational administration, all this stuff. So, again, are Republicans arrogant? Yes. But I think in terms of pure hubris, there's no doubt that Democratic politicians have hubris like no other. No other. Anyway, though, my point is whenever Republicans take office or win in, in, in any really race that can kind of flip the balance of things, they're going to do the same exact thing. You don't think there's red prosecutors in safely red areas that are going to bring a charge against Biden at some point or, or, or uh, elected official, and you know, maybe like Joe Manchin or something, anybody in a, in a red state or that's a national uh, politician like Biden or whoever, if Democrat president wins in, in five years, six years, whatever. Somebody in a red district can do the same thing. And what will Democrats say then? Oh, it's a mockery of the rule of law. It's a threat to democracy, et cetera, et cetera, all this stuff. So again, 
I mean, it's just wrong on so many levels. I was going to do an emergency show on Sunday, but I kind of lost my lost my fire. I didn't really want to do it without Miss Post as well. I'm like, okay, I'll wait. I'll wait. I want to see what the charges were. Well, I should have done anyway because the charges were, are, as the great Dennis Green said, RIP, the charges are what we thought they were. Anyway, I mean, it's just a joke. It's just a joke. Um, Miss Post, do you have any thoughts on that? Not at this moment, no. So I got to mention this one thing. And sorry, Adam, it's mostly politics today because – Again, basketball's over, so what am I going to do to talk about the NBA play? And I hope the Lakers lose, that's all I got to say. So let's, let's, also, let's also go to this. Okay, so, you know, we have these joke fact-checkers. I mean, I really, I really shouldn't read the Washington Post, but I like to kind of get different sources, and I like to see what they write sometimes, and there's some opinion columnists I like and things like that. But this quote-unquote fact-checker, Glenn Kessler, okay, again, you know, how the, the, the self-appointed uh, saviors of the universe fact checkers. He posted a link on Twitter that said that like Republicans rhetoric was incendiary that this DA is Soros backed. Okay. Because Soros never actually met Alvin Brack. Okay. That is true. They never actually met, but Soros donated $1 million to a pack that pledged a million dollars to Bragg after they endorsed him. Okay. So the pack endorsed Bragg Soros gave him a million dollars before the money came to them, they said they're going to spend a million dollars on Brack. Now, they only spent 420000 but does that matter? Soros gave the PAC $1 million after they after they endorsed Alvin Brack. So how is that not Soros funded? At the very least, we know that nationwide there's prosecutors that are backed by George Soros and have a regressive system, or I guess, quote-unquote, progressive system of justice, reforming criminal justice system. And so you're going to say that this guy who donated a million dollars to a PAC that supported Brack is that he's not funding Bragg, plus his son donated as well. His son donated to him as well. So again, that just goes to show, I mean, there's countless examples of this. And in 2016, right about journalism, let's back up. People always talk about how Republicans like hit rock bottom with Trump, but they're trending that way anyway. And I agree, they were trending now because they had no leadership, kind of like now. But journalism is the same thing, right? They've always been liberally biased. They've always, they always have an agenda, things like that. And that's been trending in that direction more and more. But then when Trump had just confirmed it, and now we see it again, they've abandoned all journalistic principles. Abandoned all journalistic principles. This guy, a fact checker, says it's incendiary to say it's Soros funded because they never actually met. Really? And Elon Musk, I think, has kind of done a bad job on Twitter, but at least he's enabled people to make, kind of make their own adjustments to posts and then, hey, shocking, viewers and readers make up their own mind. The fact checker doesn't say what's right or wrong. People can provide additional context, and you make the decision. So again, I mean, it, it's just absurd. And all I have to say to Democrats is, you're playing with fire, because what if Trump does one? I don't think he will. I think he's done. But, and I think, honestly, a, a lot of swing voters have left Michigan and Pennsylvania and gone to Florida, which is great, but that's less voters there, obviously. So... I don't think Trump will win, but you're playing with fire to make him the nominee when, when he's such a threat to democracy. And also, I, re- I read this a couple times now, and I do think it's true. If it's really about the republic, then Biden shouldn't run. Biden shouldn't run. Because why? No one wants to see Biden versus Trump again. No one wants to see it. So if it's really about the republic, Biden should step down, bring next generation of Democrats into the fold, let them run, let them beat Trump. He's so easy to beat. Let them beat Trump then. And then at least we don't have the matchup that nobody wants to see again. 
But that won't happen because it just goes to show it's never about democracy at all. It was always about getting Trump and then using him to their advantage, the media's advantage, and the anti-Trump Republicans' advantage. Speaking of which, last thing before we get out of here, I'm going to get this book from uh, backstage real quick. I really don't like doing book reviews here because it's not, our, not really our job. And this one actually is going to be kind of like a, a, a roast. But we got this book here. And you know, my dad, he's a lifelong conservative. I call him a liberal now because I think he is. But he, he, he's, again, these people that claim to hate Trump so much because he, he's so preposterous, again, they use, Trump controls their whole identity. Like, they're, they're, instead of being like the people that, that love Trump no matter what, they're those that are like so wrapped up in hating Trump that it's like that they're equally, they're equally as passionate about that as they are about those that love Trump. And then like, that's like their whole identity. As, as Phil says, he's a boogeyman. Anyway, though, I got this book. And I really like to read. I mean, it, it was really nauseating to read. It's really tough to read. But it's called It Was All a Lie, How the Republican Party Became Donald Trump. Basically, the whole thing is this guy from the Lincoln Project, Stuart Stevens, basically talks about how the Republican Party has always been racist and sexist and, and, uh, and white supremacist and all this stuff, of course, and that Trump just used that to his advantage, which in some respects, of course, Trump did. But again, I would say there's a lot of revisions history in this book, but I'm not, gonna, I'm not really going to talk about that too much. I will say, though, of course, he, he basically... He basically praised Democrats for like ending segregation and said that like Republicans took advantage of segregation to, to get voters, which is true, but like Democrats took advantage of, of slavery to get voters and of segregation to get voters for 80 years. Because remember, Democrats are the ones that, ended, that wanted to end Reconstruction. Anyway, we're not going to talk about that right now. Here's some things I wanted to say though. Okay. So we have, we have this, um, this book that was written about authoritarianism. Okay, it's called How Democracies Die. And he cites this in this book. And he's, of course, talking about Trump, naturally, because that's what everybody talks about, Trump. But here's the, here's, here's the four signs that help us know we have an authoritarian. And you think about who this applies to more or just applies to at all. One, rejects in words or action democratic rules of the game. Two, denies legitimacy of opponents. Three, tolerates or encourages violence. Four, indicates a willingness to curtail the civil liberties of opponents, including the media. Now, certainly I would say that all four of those do apply to Trump, no doubt. But I can think all four of those apply to Joe Biden. I can think they all apply to Chuck Schumer. I can think they all apply to AOC. Let's look at number one. Rejects in words or action democratic rules of the game. Well, certainly calling the Supreme Court illegitimate would be rejecting the rules, democratic rules of the game. Okay. Certainly I would say that changing the voting rules last minute would be rejecting the democratic rules of the game. Two, the legitimacy of opponents. That very much sounds familiar 2016 election that we heard all the time was rigged, fixed by Russia, and uh, uh, Trump was not a legitimate president. Three, tolerates or encourages violence. I'm not even going to comment on this because it's so obvious. Riots of 2020, the, the crazies that just stormed the Tennessee state capitol last week after a mass shooting took place there, by the way, by a trans person. They stormed the state capitol to protest anti-trans legislation. Okay. And of course, Chuck Schumer saying that the Supreme Court will pay for what they're doing. Okay. And, of course, indicates willingness to curtail civil liberties of opponents, including the media. Obviously, January 6th defendants, we're seeing this. You're seeing this with the COVID uh, tyranny. You're seeing this with um, um, the censorship of, of New York Post. And that was, that was Twitter. That wasn't Biden. But still, there's, you know, of course, there's a connection between the intelligence communities and Twitter, the, the dialogue to uh, weed out misinformation, so to speak. Uh, and, of course, just look at, just look at uh, 
uh, Trump. Now, are civil liberties being violated? No, I would say they're not. But again, in third world countries, do you prosecute political opponents? Third world countries. How I read a great article um, last week, or actually yesterday, that said, like, since 1787, how many politicians do we think have paid off mistresses? Countless. Mm-hmm. Countless. But now this is one that is going to be charged with a crime. Anyway, so the point, the, it goes to show you again, Democrats are just as bad as Republicans, if not worse. It's all about power, which we've known that, okay? It's nothing new. And Democrats will use their hatred for Trump and their, quote-unquote, protection of democracy to then become the same threats of democracy, threats to democracy they rail against, okay? Also in this book, and this is just honestly, this is just hilarious. Uh, this guy was cr- criticizing Republicans for uh, making fun of California, okay? And I'm going to try to see if I can find the exact page off the cuff because I, di- I did mark that authoritarian page here, but I couldn't, uh, I couldn't, I didn't mark this one. Also, this, this guy in the, uh, article, the book basically says that Trump won in 2016 because of voter suppression. Voter suppression because of stricter voter ID laws in Wisconsin. Now, that is true. There were stricter voter ID laws, so that is a, that is a plausible possibility, okay? But maybe it's the fact that Hillary Clinton didn't campaign there once, and Obama was not on the ballot, and black voters didn't like Hillary, Okay. Plus, now this is written before 2020, to be fair. Of course, he had the preface in there about the insurrection on January 6th. But he didn't, it, it was, at, it was, it was, um, I don't think he, he might not have not known the data of 2020 of how Trump got more Hispanic and black voters than previously. Anyway, but that was kind of, that was also infuriating and comical when he said that Trump won because of voter suppression. Okay. I can't find this exact page, but basically this guy was praising California. Okay, he said that California, by all accounts, is doing quite well. Now, again, there's a difference between being uh, difference between being like anti-Trump and just being a blatant lib and supporting blatant liberal policies. And to say something like that is absurd. Now, again, remember before COVID, before the huge population loss, all of that. But still, California has never really been a model for America, really, in, in 20 years. Okay, they're they're. They ran huge deficits, then didn't because they got so much federal money. Now they're running huge deficits again. People are fleeing the state like crazy. Okay, since COVID mainly, but still even before then, uh, California for a while has been two classes, rich and homeless. Okay, anyway, uh, the, the moral of this though is this is, again, we talked about this last week a bit. This is one, this is the Lincoln Project, uh, a, a group that had their leader accused of molestation, by the way, and sexual assault. But anyway, they're the same ones that hate Trump but need him to be the nominee so they continue to make millions of dollars off him. And that a member of this group was attacking DeSantis last week for being owned on Medicare and Social Security or something like that. So again, quote-unquote anti-Trump Republicans need Trump, are so caught up in their own ego that they're going to rail against Trump enough to keep him around so they continue to make money. But they're the ones that are so concerned about democracy. I rest my case on that. Anyway, that was a nice book review. Last thing we'll leave with here is uh, I, I read it. It was, it was all a lie. I feel like I can give it to you if you want, but read it if you want. To, if you want to get a good laugh and really just clown somebody who's totally, as he would say about the Republican, drank the Kool Aid in 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 the other way. Read this book. I think I think I might have fallen on the floor when he said California was a desirable state by all measures, doing well. Last post. Last point. The minutes post got to go here. Uh, 
Brian sent us this. This is your this, and this sums up again curtailing civil liberties. Inter, or I shouldn't say that he did have a fair trial, allegedly fair trial, but it it, it sums up in terms of uh, prosecuting political opponents and double standard of justice. So this guy Douglas Mackey, ten years, ten years, for posting a meme that you can vote for Hillary by text. Okay, now I will link this article in, in the in the um, info today. But the caption read, avoid the line, vote from home, text Hillary to 59925, vote for Hillary and be a part of history. Okay. So the Justice Department, quote unquote, Justice Department said, Mackey gets by with other influential Twitter users and members of private online groups to use social media platforms, including Twitter, to disseminate fraudulent messages that encourage supporters of presidential candidate Hillary Clinton to, quote unquote, vote via text message or social media, which in reality was legally invalid. Now, I should have started this with, Started with this, but the Justice Department said that this man was allegedly the 107th largest influencer of the 2016 election. 107th. Now, how they measure that, it doesn't say. Okay. But because of that, 107th, whatever that means, his fraudulent social media post invalidated people's votes. Okay. Now, Justice Department, according to this article, quote, was unable to provide evidence that anyone was deceived by the meme. Not even a single person. They had, no ed- they had no evidence to say that someone was deceived by this. Once more, lastly, someone named Christina Wong did the same thing on election day and told people to vote on via text or tomorrow on Super Wednesday. Not only was she never prosecuted, her tweet is still live. So again, this is nothing new for those listening to this show. We know it's a joke. Democrats are fraudulent in their in their hypocrisy and their rhetoric, things like that. But it's just stuff like that that stay in the ground when someone when someone uses dra- dramatized language, like oh threat to democracy, science denier, uh, uh, um, insurrectionist, white supremacist. Stand on truth. Stand on truth. Okay. We here at Scoops always have to provide you with intel on how to how to how to push back against hubris and moral posturing like that. Final thoughts, Miss Post. I, I don't have any at this moment. Sorry, she didn't talk <laughs> much today. I was pretty fired up. I'm sure Dr. Shaw knows the prosecution. This this prosecution is a joke. Um, and as 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 Dr. Shaw said on Twitter, not really him, but this man, A. G. This only helped Trump, which Democrats want, but it also makes the cases that could be stronger, like the Georgia case and the classified documents case, it'll make the public opinion of that weaker because they'll think it's political just like this one is. Okay. Anyway, have a great holy week. He has risen indeed. Hallelujah. Uh, we could get on a theological debate. Maybe we will. We have a little few, few weeks here left before school. That we can have some theological. I suppose would like that. A little Christianity talk, a little baptism talk. What do you think? We'll see about that. Allegedly. Uh, have a great Holy Week, though. Blessings. Shout out to Steve, Tara, Kenna, of course. Little Kenna was is so sweet. So funny story real quick before we go. Ms. Post and I watched Kenna on Friday because Steve had a military ball to attend with Tara. And uh, so Kenna would get up in my little recliner and kind of sit down, put her feet up. So cute. But then I came out with chicken nuggets. And uh, Kenny immediately got down and wanted to get on the couch to eat some nuggets. It's just awesome, man. It's just awesome. And as I said last week, I think uh, seeing Kenna have – do that at such a young age, it makes them understand that women are just built different. From birth to the grave, they just, they're all the same. They're all the same. All for a chicken nugget, that's right. Yep. 
Enjoy this downtime, though. Get outside. Go in nature. Go hiking. You got five months, boys. Five months. Unless you're Dr. Shaw, he'll probably, have, probably take his one-year anniversary trip during uh, week one of the NFL season. Let's, let's just be real quick. We love Adam. We know we do. But married on Labor Day weekend, honeymoon on Thanksgiving week, which is probably the second best sports week of the year besides March Madness. And then he flew into town on the Monday through Wednesday of March Madness week. And then was working Thursday and Friday. What? This man's a PhD. Make it make sense. We love you, Adam, but what? what? As he, he did tell us that he's more of a Corona Road than a gardener. But either way, it doesn't make any sense. But enjoy this show, boys. And uh, happy Easter. Happy Easter. <laughs>